As we get started today, I want to start with a story. I want to start with a story that some of you, if you're parents, you'd probably be able to recognize or relate to. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, you guys know my youngest, Zeke. He's the one, if you don't know him, he's the loudest one running around like a terrorist. That one's mine. Okay, he's about that big. And he comes running around, and um, he comes downstairs, and we had this wonderful couple give us a big snack bag at one of our friend's um, concerts they had. And uh, it was great. And the kids, they're kids. They love snacks. In this is like a full family-sized Dorito bag. Now, I don't know if your kids are like this. My kids, it's, it's like crack cocaine when they get a hold of, of Doritos. It's, it's, it's wild. I've never seen anything like it. And there's just Dorito crumbs left. It's, it's insanity. And uh, so Zeke comes down, and he says, Dad, Mom, can I have snack? And it's like, yeah, you know what? You can have a snack. And he said, can I have the Doritos? Yeah, you know what? Get yourself a bowl of Doritos. We come upstairs about 30 minutes later, and Zeke is sitting on, like, at the table with the entire bag of Doritos. Hey, it's covered in the red Dorito stuff. And I picked, I was like, no, 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 Bubby, I said a bag, and I picked the bag up, and it's empty. <laughs> that child ate the whole Dorito bag, which is insanity. I had another moment with Elijah when he was very little. I, I told him one time, he's very little, he's like two years old, so he's very literal. You guys know that when they're in that, that phase. Um, I didn't recognize that. And uh, I told him he was trying to put a piece of trash in the dishwasher because he thought that's where it goes. And I said, no, 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 bub, just throw it away. That joint just threw it behind his head, like just launched it across the kitchen like that. <laughs> Left it. Like just, I was like, no, 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 bubby, throw it away. Huzzah, fastball right across the kitchen. And I couldn't believe it. See, what's funny is I said one thing, but they heard another thing. I said, hey, Zeke, you can have a snack, grab yourself a bowl. And he said, I get the whole bag, is what he thought. And then the same thing was true with Elijah that, uh, you know, I said, throw it away. He said, I'm going to throw it away. So he threw it like a fastball across, across the kitchen. And the truth is, is that that happens all the time, right? I mean, you guys understand that, that the reality is that hearing and understanding something Sometimes those are two different things. Sometimes you can hear, but maybe you don't understand, or sometimes maybe you understand the heart of something, but it wasn't said in a, in a great way. In fact, many of you uh, recognize this as parents. You've had those moments where you tell your kids the same similar things that I did, where you say one thing, but then they go and do another. And at first we want to get really frustrated with them, but then when you actually unpack it with them, you're like, oh, no, wait, you just, you just didn't understand, or you didn't hear me correctly. You didn't, you didn't hear me correctly, and that's okay. And see, um, let me ask you a question. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever wondered or felt like that you're having trouble hearing from God? That maybe in the same way our kids have trouble hearing us sometimes, that maybe we have trouble hearing God sometimes too. And we're in a series titled, That's a Good Question, where we're looking at the questions that you've submitted online, and uh, today we're answering the question, how do I know when God is speaking? Because that's a good question. I got, that, I got stuff related to that a few times. How do you know when God is speaking? It, it's, it's hard because as soon as you ask a Christian that, they feel like they can get the answer, right? I mean, if every one of you, you feel like you hear from God and things of that nature, and then when somebody says, hey, explain it, you're like, well, 
let me get, give me a whiteboard. It's kind of hard to explain, right? That, that when you try to unpack that, it's difficult. And not only that, um, maybe you're struggling and you're, you're like I was, where you're like, man, dude, how do I know if it's God? How do I know if it's not? Because, I mean, let's be honest, we have all sorts of voices in our head all the time, not those kind of voices. If you have those voices, you should probably see somebody, okay? Not those kind of voices. Uh, somebody real, right? Like real people, if they're in front of you. Um, but we, have, we hear lots of voices that are feeding information to us all the time, right? I mean, you could just open your phone and your access to the entire world. You open Facebook, Instagram, threads, Twitter, whatever your poison is, you open that up and you get just covered and, and just bombarded with information and things that are right here, voices. When you turn on the television, Fox News, MSNBC, right, uh, CNN, it doesn't matter, pick your poison, the same thing happens. You're, you're inundated with information and with words and with voices that are trying to sway you in one direction or another. You've got family, you've got friends, you've got all sorts of different things. People at work, your boss, right, your kids, your spouse. And the question always becomes when you're trying to make a decision or trying to live your life is, is hold on, how do I know which one God is speaking through? Because God will use any one of those avenues. The minute that you say God won't speak to me that way, in that manner, like through that avenue, is probably when he's going to do it. And one of the biggest things is that we have to recognize his voice. Jesus said that the sheep will know my voice when they hear it. But for many of us, that's difficult. I mean, if we're just honest, that's difficult. Because again, you'll ask questions, I, I do anyway. Um, it's a stressful question, like, what if I hear wrong? Have you ever thought that? Man, especially when you come into a big life decision. God, do I do? Do I not? What do I do? I don't know. Oh, man, this is nervous. What if I hear wrong? Not only what if I hear wrong, what happens if I, if I you know, didn't understand what he said? Like, I thought it was clear, but then maybe it wasn't clear. I'm not really sure what he meant by that. Or, or maybe the, the other one is you just, what happens if I make the wrong decision and I misunderstand the voice of God? What happens then? Did I miss it? Like, if I misunderstand the voice of God, like, do I date her? I don't know. Uh, do I, do, if, uh, God, what do I do? Oh, I don't know. Okay, if I date her, then I, if it's wrong, or if I say, no, 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 that's the voice of God telling me not to, then do I never have a wife again? That was the one? Like, God, I need some information here. And for many of us, if we're honest, it just becomes stressful when we unpack that idea of hearing the voice of God. And as a young Christian, these questions would plague me. They would drive me insane, especially when I first became a Christian. I was trying to make, like, you know, when you first become a Christian, and I, can I be real with you guys for a second? Can we do church? When I first became a Christian, I was like, I really was interested in God like 50% of the time, you know? When things got real bad, I was like, Lord, I need a word, right? And then I was like, come on, God, I really, I really need to understand. So right in that time when I was like 50 in, 50 out, I don't know, God, you're great, but I wish that, you know, you'd kind of do things the way I want you to do things. When I was in that space, I would ask those questions all the time. I would be like, God, what does that mean? Like, I want you in my life. I want to pursue you. I want to do the things that you want me to do. But I have no idea what it sounds like when you start telling me stuff. I have no idea what your voice sounds like. I don't know when you're confirming what I already think, and, and I don't know when you're trying to tell me to slow down. God, I don't even know what your voice sounds like. And as an early Christian, I was wrestling with this all the time. 
So again, the question we're going to wrestle today is, how do we know if it's God speaking? How do I know if it's God speaking? And so I'm going to give you two tools, two simple tools that I want you, these are simple, not easy, okay? Notice I said that, simple, not easy, all right? So if you, on the back of your uh, seats, you have pens and note cards, I encourage you to write these tools down, put it in a nice little format so you can put it up, put it in your mirror, put it wherever you have your prayer time, put it in your car, any of the time when you kind of are wrestling with like, God, what is it that you're trying to say to me? Because as a Christian, let's just be honest, if we're a Jesus follower, now if you're not a Jesus follower, thanks for tuning in, and this is, I think, going to help you, but it's not necessarily something that you're going to pursue the way that Christians do. But if we're a Christian and we're a follower of Jesus, the question is really important, because I want to stay close to him. I want to make sure I'm doing the things that he's guiding me to do. So I got two simple things that I want to teach you when it comes to hearing the voice of God. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, so number one is, does what you're hearing, does it line up with Scripture? Does it line up with Scripture? Really, another way to say it, does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the Bible? Now, before we go too far down this track, because we can get lost in this in the sauce here in a second, before we go too far down this track, I, uh, I, want, to sh- I want to tell you there is a right and a wrong way to do this, okay? There absolutely is a right and wrong way to do this. Let me show you the wrong way, okay? You guys ready for the wrong way? This is the wrong way. Lord, I need a word. <laughs> but your dead will live, Lord. Your bodies will rise. That's my word. That's my word. That's the solution to my problems. That's not the right way, okay? That's not the right way to do this. You're not playing Bible roulette, okay? I've played Bible roulette, okay? It doesn't work. That's not the way that this thing was designed or put together or or supposed to function in our lives. It's not how it works. But you do want to make sure that whatever you believe you're hearing or whatever you think God is guiding you in, that you're checking it against the scriptures. I'm going to teach you how to do that. It's very, very important. So I want you to join me today, if you have your Bibles, in John's Gospel. So if you have your Bibles, flip them open. We're going to start in John chapter 14. Let me lay some groundwork before we get here today, okay? Before we get here today, uh, this is the night of the Passover. This is the last night that Jesus is with all of his disciples, okay? He's explaining them. This is like his real quick P.S., this is the stuff you guys need to do because I'm about to go and deal with some stuff and I need you to pay attention. So this is where he says, love others the way I have loved you. You guys remember the greatest commandment, love God, love people. Loving God's easy. Loving people is hard. Can I get an amen, somebody? And then Jesus is like, look, I know that's hard, so let me explain what I mean. I want you to love people the way that I have loved you. And then he went on the next day to put on a demonstration of love that took his breath away. That's what he expects us to do as Christians, and as Jesus followers. So that's right in the midst of all this. This is where he reiterates multiple things that he taught in the Sermon on the Mount. This is where he starts to say, hey, I'm going somewhere. And when I'm going to that place, you cannot come with me. But you need to let me go. And it will be better for me to go, because I'm going to prepare a place for you. But you cannot come with me. To which his, uh, Thomas goes, well, hold on, Lord, if you can take us, we want to go where you go, Jesus. We want to go wherever you are. Jesus says, you can't come with me. 
You simply cannot come with me. So it's in the midst of all of this, of the Passover. He's just done the Passover with them. He's pulling them in, and he's like, okay, look, here, pay attention. This is something I need to teach you. And Philip leans in, because he's interested. He, he's got a question, right? Philip leans in, and he says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Philip says, look, Thomas wants to know where you're going, and you just said it, and we don't fully understand. So you know what? If you could just show us the Father, just show us the Father, to which many of us sit back and go, yeah, that would be good. Do you have a picture? Can you draw him something? Like, Jesus, we just want to see the Father. And again, many of us sit back and think the same thing. God, if you could just overtly show yourself in my life, I will follow you. Right? That's what we think. God, if you just overtly show up in my life, I will follow you. The only problem with that is, is Jesus did that and they killed him. So before we feel like Philip feels where we're like, oh, if I just saw God, everything would be fixed. It probably wouldn't. It probably would not simply be fixed. But Philip says, hey, I want to see the Father. How do I see the Father? How do I see? Come on, I want to know. And so Jesus answered. And we're expecting Jesus to say something like, yeah, hold on, let me, let me go talk to him, and then I'll bring him in. You can introduce yourself. But he doesn't say that. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after all, even after I have been among you for such a long time. And then he says, anyone who has seen me has seen, can somebody say that next word? Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, he's looking at Philip going, come on, man, you've seen the Father, you've seen the things I've done, come on, you know what's up. How can you say, Philip, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, Jesus says. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. The key phrase that I want you to take away from that, and if you've got your physical Bibles, highlight it. If you're looking on your Bible app, highlight it. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus says. He's, and you've got to remember that Jesus, part of his mission was to, to come here and show us what God was like. So if you're ever wondering the question, man, I wonder what God thinks about that. Go to Jesus. See what Jesus thought about that. Because he was the physical representation. He was God in a body here on the earth. So when you were struggling with that, and you're like, man, I really wish God would kind of speak into this, or I wonder what God feels about that. I wonder what God feels about this. Go to what Jesus said and what he's done. Now, you got to understand the context. This was blasphemous. This was not okay. Not only just a moment before he did the Passover, he said, hey, hey, I know the Passover's in remembrance of what God did through Moses. Okay, I understand that. Jesus said, but now we're going to make the Passover meal, particularly we're going to start something new out of the Passover, and it's going to symbolize me. To which everybody, all the good little Jewish boys and girls around that table should have got up and left. It would be the equivalent of me standing up here doing communion and saying, okay, I know we normally talk about Jesus, but now we're going to talk about me. If that happens, every one of you should get up and leave. First of all, call the hospital because I'm not well, okay? Second of all, that you all should go find another church. That happens. But that's, that's the equivalency of what Jesus was doing. 
It was blasphemous in the face of the Jewish religion. So everybody, I mean, this was a showstopper with the Passover. And then right after that, he is so audacious that he looks at them and says, look, you want to see God? You're looking at him. I mean, you can imagine. But then he doesn't just leave them there. It's not like he's like, you want to see God? He's right here. Next question. Like, he didn't do that. He said more to kind of clarify things. He said, believe me. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Okay? Or at least believe on the, what's that word? Evidence of the works themselves. Jesus is like, look, 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 okay, fine. I know some of you are skeptical. This is really hard. This is really difficult to understand. If you don't believe, and he's sitting, remember, he's sitting with his disciples right now. So these are the guys who walked with him, who were part of his whole mission, uh, his whole outreach movement there. And as he's moving around and part of his ministry, he sits back and he goes, look, I know what I'm claiming is difficult. I know what I'm claiming is challenging. I know what I'm claiming is not easy. But it's if you don't take it on my word, take it on the evidence that I've given you. Take it on the fact that blind men can see now. Take it on the fact that I was able to change water into wine and get turn up at the party. <laughs> that part's not in the Bible, but that's my translation. Got too heavy in here. Jesus said... Jesus said, if you don't understand or you're not for sure, remember the deaf can hear when they're in my presence. So if you don't believe me, that's fine. You don't have to believe my word. Believe the works that happened through me. Do you remember when, we healed, when I healed seizures? He probably, you know, the, the disciples are all flashing back to those moments when he says, believe upon the evidence. And they're flashing back going, oh man, do you remember the demon-possessed man who was rabid and they chained him up in the cave and... And at the, the very words that Jesus spoke, he's, demons come out of this man, and this man is completely healed in an instant. He, and they're probably thrown back to the time when, they were, when Jesus was walking on the water. And Peter was probably brought back to that time when Jesus says, believe on the evidence. Peter's like, I know the evidence, because I walked on water with him. And, and, and then after that, there's probably the thought of the calming of the storm where Jesus demonstrates his dominion over the physical nature. And then there's the, the coup de grace before the resurrection where he brings Lazarus, who'd been dead for four days, back to life, demonstrating his power over death and the grave. Jesus looked at his disciples in that dark room after the Passover, after he just said some things that wouldn't have made sense and some things that were very blasphemous, he says, look, I know that's very hard to understand, but don't believe it because I said it. Believe it because you've seen it. Believe it because the only way that some of these things happened, the only way that any of these things happened is if God was here. Only he could have done those things. So next time... And you wonder, he was right there. Now, okay, Brandon, that is great. I'm all about that. Uh, but what, how, how does that answer our question today? How does that answer our question, how do I hear from God? Well, if you remember, I said, you want to ask the question, does it line up with the scriptures, right? We want to ask, does, it, does what I think I'm hearing, 
Does it line up with the Scriptures? We know there's a right and wrong way to do that. The right way is start with Jesus. Ask yourself the question, did Jesus say anything about it? Start there. As soon as you crack this book open, the first place you should go when you're trying to answer a question is to the words of Jesus. Because he was God's representation on the earth. And if he spoke specifically about it, if Jesus said it, that settles it for you if you're a Christian. That's it. If Jesus said it, that settles it. You don't have to think about it anymore. If That's just what it is. So if you're trying to figure out, okay, God, I think I'm hearing this. Does it line up with what he said? I'll tell you how not to do it. I had a friend one time. I had a friend one time who was talking to us, and she said, um, I think she's looking for, looking, you know, looking for a date. And she said she met this nice guy that she was working, working with and did the whole, I think, I think God's kind of calling me to, to, go out, to go out with him. He's married. God's not calling you to go out with him. <laughs> he's, he's not. He's not. And it was like a light bulb went off. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. That's probably true. Like, we read the same thing? Anyway, but we see, but that's a case of point. Jesus actually addresses marriage. and You know, marriage, one man, one woman, and what God put together, let no man tear apart. So the, if it feels like God's calling you to date a, a, a guy or a gal that's married, he ain't. Not happening. That ain't it. That ain't it. Because the truth is, um, remember, Jesus came to show us what God was like. He came to show us what God was like. And therefore, you will never be called to do something that contradicts the words or actions of Jesus. It's not going to happen. You're not going to find that, oh, this is the special scenario where Jesus, you know, he, I, I know what he said to be salt and light, but this is the one time I don't have to be salt and light. I have to be vinegar and darkness. And it's like, nope, that's, this is not the time. You're not the one exception. It's funny, but I told you, I've had those happen. This is the one time he's going to let me mess with a married man. Nope, this isn't it. This isn't it at all. Second, so you, but Jesus, as we know, was here for three years. That's what we have written down of his time here in three years. So there's going to be things in our lives or subjects or questions that we have that maybe he doesn't address because it was in the three-year time span. So maybe there's more things that we don't fully understand or more questions that we have or to understand. The next place I want you to go is to, to unpack the, this idea of did the apostles write about it? So did Jesus say anything about it? Because if Jesus said it, that settles it. But if he didn't say anything about it, did the apostles write anything about it? And you go, Brandon, why does that matter? Well, see, the apostles wrote their letters to the church based off the words of Jesus. So that what was good to follow Jesus, the way he kind of set everything up, the apostles wrote based off of that and based off of their interactions with him. So if you run into a question, you're like, okay, Jesus never you know, specifically addressed how I need to treat my wife. He never specifically addressed that. Right, but Paul did. And Paul was writing in the Spirit of God. And when Paul was writing, he was writing informed by Jesus and informed by the grander church because he talked to the other disciples as well. So when you sit back and you go, look, I, I don't know exactly how to answer this question. Okay, well, did Jesus say anything about it? Well, no, Jesus didn't say anything specifically about it. Okay, the next question is, did the apostles write about it? Did the apostles write about it? And they cover all sorts of things. 
They cover sexuality. They cover favoritism. Uh, they cover communication, the importance of communication. They talk about marriage. They talk about generosity. All these things that Jesus either just hit the wave tops of or maybe didn't address fully, the apostles unpacked because the church, when it got started, had these questions too. They were like, okay, well, what do we do with this whole husband-wife thing? Like, sure, they're supposed to be together. Let no man do, you know, undo. Uh, Jesus said that. What do we do then? And Paul's like, look, this is how I want you to do it. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he unpacks it further. So the first question, did Jesus say anything about it? The second one, did the apostles write about it? The third, once you get there, the third is if, if neither one of those, or maybe you're looking for confirmation, you can go to the Old Testament. When you go to the Old Testament, this is the phrase I have. It's not super portable, so it's longer. I don't know how else to word it, so forgive me for that. But the question you ask is, do the stories in the Old Testament teach me something about God's character related to this topic? I know it's long and clunky. But do the stories in the Old Testament teach me something about God's character related to this topic? We'll take marriage because that one is the one we've been going with. Well, in the, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, God was the first one to marry Adam and Eve, okay? Do we see consistently that marriage is a valuable thing that God values every time in the Old Testament? Yes. Do we see that consistently? Yes. Is it important? Yes. Is it confirmed by Jesus? Yes. Do the apostles write about it and it's confirmed there? Yes. So therefore, that's the, the instruction we take forward in our lives. And sometimes you can get all three of these to line up. Sometimes, like I said, one doesn't say anything about it. The other ones do. And it's important that we do this the right way. Again, do not play Bible roulette and just pop that puppy open and go, Jeremiah 29, 30, 29, 31. For the Lord knows the plans he has for you to prosper you. And right, don't do that. Don't do that. That's encouraging. That's, that's exciting. But don't pluck those, that one verse out of context and apply it to your life and say, that's me. He wrote that for me. No, he wrote it for Israel. You get to learn about it. So, the, the, but these, this is important because when it comes, when it comes to hearing the voice of God or discerning the voice of God or understanding the voice of God, it's, you can't do it. I'm going to be very honest with you. You can't do it without this. You can't. You can try and you won't, you will fail. This is given to us for a reason. It's not going to answer every question you have. But it's designed and it's written to tell you the story of God chasing after his people and eventually sending his son to die and redeem the entire creation. That's what it's about. And we have the stories of God in the flesh walking among us. So I encourage you, if you're trying to hear the voice of God but you never open this, it's going to sound like radio silence for a while. It's going to be hard to hear the voice of God if you're not at least seeing the way he's done it in the past, if you're not at least reading the words of Jesus, if you're not understanding what the apostles and why the apostles were writing to the church. It's going to be hard to hear his voice if you're not at least trying to open this book. So, does it line up with Scripture? Let me say it this way. Start with the Bible. Start with the Bible. In fact, look at your neighbor and tell them, say, start with the Bible. Start with 
Tell them that. The next thing, remember I said there's two steps, two steps. I just showed you how to use your Bible. I hope you all wrote it down, never going over it again, okay? I'm just kidding. I'll go over it many, many times. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, and they grabbed their notepad. Um, the, the other thing, the other thing you have to press it through is does godly counsel agree? So the first thing, does it line up with the scriptures, right? Start with the Bible. Does it line up there? Does what I think I'm hearing line up with what he's done in the past? Does what I think I'm hearing line up with the words and instructions of Jesus? Does, does what I think I'm hearing line up with the letters Paul wrote to the church? Does what I think I'm hearing line up with his character that I see in the Old Testament? And then the second thing I want you to do is check, does godly counsel agree? Now notice I highlighted the godly part, okay? The godly part. Don't hang out with your friends who drink far too much, and you know they do, and go to the bar with them, and then think I'm going to go hang out with that pretty girl by the bar, and I think I'm going to go home with her, and then ask your friends if you think you should. <laughs> Not good godly counsel, okay? Not good, don't, don't slap that and be like... That's it. Must be a word from the Lord. No, it's not a word from the Lord. Okay? Not at all. So does godly counsel agree? Does the people around you that you trust, and you should have some, that are engaged in the purposes and the words of God, or do they agree with what you're doing? In fact, the, uh, the author of Proverbs, Solomon, he writes about this multiple times, multiple times in his Proverbs. He says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. He goes on and say, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. He goes on to say, uh, the wise prevail through great power and those who have knowledge muster their strength. So that being the case, surely, Solomon writes, you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. Does godly counsel agree with what you're moving forward on? God, I think God is telling me to do this. Okay, well, well, what does this say about it? Okay, I think it's there. Okay, well, let me talk to some of my friends that I trust that are close to the Word and close to, to God. Let me see what they have to say about it. And then when I go through that, okay... Now I'm ready to make a decision. You'll have a piece about it when the time comes. This is how I make decisions in the church. We have a board of elders that I work with. And when I'm uncertain about something, I'm like, okay, we need to talk about this. And I'll go to them. They're part of my council. And I sit down and I've got, I've got groups of pastors who are my friends that I'll reach out to when I'm wrestling with something big. And I feel like, hey, God's calling us to the next hill and horizon here in the church. I think this is the next move. I don't make that in a vacuum. I want to hear from the, from, the, from the words of God, from the mouth of God. But I don't think that I have the answers all the time. I don't think that I'm the only person he speaks to. Let me get a group of other pastors, of other friends, of other people that I know walk with God, that are connected to him, that love him and seek him, and let him speak through all of us, through the counsel of all of us, to see what's next. This is why it's so important that you're part of a team here, and why it's so important that you're part of a life group. It's why coming through that door and sitting here, although it's amazing, right, you get great music, preaching's eh, but you get great music, so 
Like you come in and you sit down and you enjoy it, and that's awesome. But life change doesn't happen in the rows. Sure, it might happen once or twice. But real life change happens in circles. It happens when you're on a team. It happens when you're either serving in the back or serving out in the front or serving in the kids' wing. It happens when you're in a small group, when you're in a life group. It happens when you're in a real community. Because if you don't have a real community, then this last point's not possible. You can't get to godly counsel because you don't have any. Because you just kind of come in, you consume, and you leave, and you don't have the, you don't have the connection with the community in the way that it was designed to function. Now, I'm not saying you need to find a big group and be with like 12 people, okay? That's not me either. I ain't about that life. But you need to have a few. You need to have a few. Three or four that you're tight with. That's why in the fall, we're going to put a, lot, a big emphasis on life groups. Is because that's how life change really happens. Is it, it doesn't happen in rows like this all the time. It happens in circles. It happens in circles. So if you're sitting here thinking like, oh, man, I want to hear from God, but I don't have any counsel, my thought is get in a group, start a group, or join a team. You'll find connection in one of those three places. You'll find community in one of those three places to where this last point you can actually use. So, Here's the thing. This is why this last point is so important. Life change happens in the context of relationships. I've said that already. Let me say it another way. Um, Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I won't need long. You've got to have the right people around you. And when it comes to hearing the voice of God, he does it through lots of people. He speaks through lots of people. He speaks through your spouse. He'll speak through your friends. He'll he'll speak through your small group, through your team. Like it'll happen, but you have to facilitate the community for it to happen. And again, when it starts to happen, the question becomes, okay, well, does it line up with this? And are all of my, is the entire godly council in agreement with one another, sitting back going, yeah, you know what, that, that feels right, that, that, that looks right, that seems right. God is moving in that direction, obviously, chase after that. It's hard, it's difficult, right? It's simple, but it's hard to remember to do that. It's hard to remember to do that. So to answer our question today, how do I know if God is speaking? The first one is, does it line up with Scripture? The second one is, does godly counsel agree? So let me ask you this, and we'll close. Do you think your life would have been better if you applied these two points to key decisions in your life? Do you think that you may have missed out on some instruction from God because you rushed through decisions or because you didn't really verify the voice of God? That maybe you, you just grabbed it and you thought, this is what God wants, and you moved on it too quick? Or maybe you just missed it altogether because you weren't connected to what he uses to verify his word. This and the people around you. So, how do we hear from the voice of God?
We look to the scriptures, and then we look to our community, our godly community and counsel around us. So with that, I would love to pray for you.